0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Welcome in for episode three of Beyond Basic. I'm Kayla Anderson, joined by my lovely co-host Gabriella Di Giovanni. And Ella, I wanted to just put this out there, (laughs) never for anyone else to use. But are you so happy that I didn't introduce you as the intern?
2: Wow. How <laughs> how kind of you, Kayla. Truly
1: <laughs> so, so kind.
2: <laughs> there's a little,
1: sure. yeah, there's a little backstory behind this. So I'll let Ella explain it Ella in the her intern. words. Yes.
2: Okay, I'm going to tell my side of the story of this whole intern debacle. So... When I was interning with Kayla at WBNS Ten TV in Columbus, we were covering the Memorial Tournament um, one summer, which Kay was easily the best. Yeah,
1: Jack event I've covered, yes, mm-hmm. Jack
2: Nicklaus's tournament, so awesome. The biggest names in golf. It, it was a great week, but it's a long week. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really early mornings at the memorial and then really, really late nights. You know, we go back to the station after a full day at the memorial, um, and then kind of get up the next morning and do it all over again. A lot of sunburn, a lot of sweat, but it it was fine. So we were driving back to the station one afternoon after finishing up at the tournament and we had taken pictures that day and I said, Kayla, can I I text myself the pictures from your phone? And she said, sure. So I picked up her phone as she was driving, and I selected the pictures that I wanted, and I clicked message, and I typed in Gabriella. It wasn't in there, but I thought, oh, it's obviously under Ella, so I put Ella. There's no name. And I go, Kay, do you have my name saved? She goes, yeah, intern. (laughs) I was like, what? At this, point, at this point, this was my second semester interning there, so I wasn't new by any no. means, and she had been mentors to other interns as well, and none of them were named intern in, their, in her phone! It was so offensive!
1: So first of all, I don't look <laughs> at it that way because for me it was one of those things that when I got her number when she was first working at 10TV, Sometimes I have brain farts and (laughs) I just think I didn't know how to spell her last name and it freaked me out. And so I just said, well, the easiest thing to do right this moment is just to put in intern. (laughs) Well, if you also know me, you also know that if I have something, I pretty much stick with it. I'm pretty loyal. So I guess you could say that I was very loyal to the fact that I put in intern and stuck with it to this day. But There's no
2: shame in your game.
1: There's Ella. no shame in my game. And I love it now because it's the best story to tell. And even when I'm in my car and I'm dialing her up, which we talk like five times a day, I will say, Siri, call intern. <laughs> and the other day I actually said, Siri, call Ella. And I didn't know what was going on. And then I realized, oh my goodness. There's it's... no Ella. Yeah, there's no Ella. It is It is permanently intern.
2: It's so embarrassing.
1: I love it, though, and, you know, we'll get into some more funny She'll be, like, at my wedding someday, and I'll
2: still be called her intern.
1: You You totally will. It's just part of the story now, and we're so excited to share some of these, like, inside funny stories that we've shared throughout, you know, the last few years together, but we are really really excited because we have a special guest on today somebody who i covered at ohio state and just has made such a difference i think already at a young age
2: yeah and from my perspective i had covered him as well but in an intern role um and we were really Pierce at the time we were in college at the same time we both went to Ohio State and he was your intern at one point Kayla which is kind of funny fitting in with this whole theme of what we're talking about right now. Um, But we are so excited to have him he has um, just such great insight and perspective to share. Uh, But Kayla, why don't you take it away and introduce our next guest?
1: All right, well, I'm excited to bring in our guest for this week, and we pumped him up all week, Mr. Joshua Perry, former Ohio State linebacker, of course, a fourth-round pick by the San Diego Chargers in that 2016 draft. Thanks for coming in today and doing the podcast.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
1: We're so excited to have you, Joshua. Obviously, I
2: too am an Ohio State grad, so we have that in common. Nothing better than the Ohio State, of course. Go Bucks. Um, go Bucks. Um, I'm going to take you back to 2014. It was a pretty good year for you. We're going to walk you down memory lane a little bit. You won a national championship, and for you personally, It was a fantastic year for football. You recorded 124 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, three sacks and an interception, beat Alabama in the first college football playoff and went on to beat Oregon in the national championship. You beat Michigan all four years of your college career and you even got to visit the White House after that national championship win. Can you explain that season, what that team meant to you, uh, you personally, and kind of as you go on the rest of your life, always drawing back on that 2014 year.
0: Yeah, it was was kind of ridiculous looking back. And, uh, you know, I talk to some of my teammates and I'll talk to media members about it, but um, that was an amazing team that we had, especially that year. Um, You know, throughout my college career, uh, we went 50 and four, so we only had four losses, (laughs) uh, which is kind of a ridiculous stat there. But uh, just thinking about that that 2014 season, um, you know, the guys from that same class my junior year next year were seniors and uh, some of the guys who left early uh, 12 of us got drafted and the, you know I was the second to last guy from Ohio State that year to get drafted and I was a fourth round pick so the amount of talent was ridiculous but uh, we went through a lot that year you know we uh, we finished off 2013 with the loss to Michigan State and then another loss to Clemson. Uh, we started off 2014 with the win on the road at Navy and then we come back to the shoe for our home opener and we lose to Virginia Tech so that was three out of four. Um, that we had lost right there. And like I said, we only lost four games the whole time I was in college. So that was a little bit of a precarious spot, but we just had enough character and enough talent to overcome that. And Throughout the year, we had our ups and downs. You know, Braxton got hurt in training camp. Uh, JT got hurt against Team Up North. We had a player who committed suicide around that same time. So um, there were our trials, and, you know, it, was, it wasn't the easiest thing ever. But um, I think that that team might go down in history as one of the most talented From Ohio State, and it was amazing to be a part of that group of men.
1: You know what's crazy too, Joshua, is I actually came in that September right after I think it was Braxton got hurt, and that was my first time in Columbus and my first year covering you guys. And needless to say, I got to cover a national championship team, which is awesome to say that in my career, I know as you guys as players, it's huge to you, but as, mu- as much as you probably wouldn't think this, for us to cover a team like that is extremely awesome to us and something that we'll always remember. And I just remember how close you guys were, because that's where I met you, obviously, is covering mm-hmm. you at Ohio State. Talk about the camaraderie of that team and why that was so special.
0: Yeah, now as a, uh, a member of the media myself, I'm starting to realize that teams have personalities. And yep. so um, covering certain aspects becomes more fun than covering others. And I think part of the thing that made that team so fun on the outside looking in, but truly in the locker room, was that we had so many personalities that came together um, that got along so well. And you look at all the, you know, kind of the funny stories you got, um, uh, Tyvis and Cardale kind yeah. of playing that father-son. <laughs> that was always fun to look at. Um, the slobs up there on the O-line, oh, yeah. they kind of had My their gosh. own personality. Mm-hmm. And then even in the linebacker room, we might not have been the most um, covered or outspoken group, but we had like we had one of the most unique groups because we had guys coming from the south. We had guys from the city. We had guys from the suburbs, private school, public school. And everybody came together, and it seemed like we were all best friends. And those are guys I still talk to. Um, you know, Curtis Grant, Raekwon McMillan, uh, Joe Berger, Cam Williams, Craig Feta, Dante Booker. I mean, uh, these are guys who are still some of my best friends. And so I think part of the way to overcome adversity on the field is just having a a certain level of connection and trust with the players around you.
2: Absolutely. Would you feel that in the locker room? Like during this time, did you guys kind of know there was something special brewing and, and was it different than, than how other years may have felt?
0: Yeah, we, we knew it was different. I mean, the, past years, my freshman year, everybody was just trying to get to feel the program. And then my sophomore year, 2013, I feel like there was a level of disconnect. And we were winning a lot of games. But I feel like guys were kind of on islands a little bit in terms of the connection. But uh, 14 was just amazing. It was different. Guys just wanted to win. Um, 15 was even a little bit different for us. We I think we still had some of that same connection. But then guys You know they they started to realize how good they were and they had their sights set on uh, personal accomplishments a little bit more than even team at times. Mm -hmm. Um, So 14 was kind of just that special mix of a, a great group of talented guys, but a group of guys who were all hungry to get some wins.
1: Well, you were one of those guys that went on to the next level. You were drafted in that 2016 draft. You went to San Diego. For you, though, what was the biggest difference going from a college program that had a lot of success to the pros.
0: Yeah, well, I would say you you kind of led me into that. So, um, you know, 50 and four, I, I, I say it all the time, but you go to the league and um, every team that I played on was like a four win team. So, um, you know, you can't win them all in the NFL, but it's just amazing how uh, kind of apathetic guys can be at the thought of a loss and everybody's a competitor, but you, you get that realization that you're not going to win every game. And you also get the realization that As long as you make it to Tuesday of game week, you're going to get paid. So um, there's a certain point in the season where you feel like your playoff hopes are gone and then guys are kind of lost, just showing up in the building to get a check. But the other crazy thing about the league, and it really took for me to see it before I truly understood it, was that it is the business of all businesses. You know, college, you go there, your scholarship check, you get your stipend uh, every two weeks. Uh, You got training tables, so you're fed. You get sweats and clothes. So, you know, you're taken care of for the most part. And, um, you know, I, I wish there was a way that we could get guys a little bit more money in their pocket. But at the end of the day, you know, as long as you're on the team, you're you're going to get your stipend. And they, colleges aren't in the business of cutting guys. Well, you get to the league. I've seen where they brought a guy in. On a Tuesday, they signed him to the roster, and they cut the same guy on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. And granted, the dude gets paid, but he had to get up, move to a city, stay there for two days, probably looking at apartments, might have brought a wife and a child with him, and now he's got to find somewhere else to work. And just the the ruthlessness and the, the cutthroat aspect of the business isn't something you understand until you're actually in it.
1: Is that hard, though, because you were somebody who – you went to see the Seahawks then, and then you also went to Indy. So you had a little bit of a taste of what it was like after you got injured with the chargers. I mean, how do you get used to that?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, you know, everybody says it's the nature of the business and it's not something that you like, but um, as, as long as you're playing, it's something that you, you have to you know put yourself through and it's tough. You know, you feel bad for some of the guys who might've been um, lower round picks. So, You know, their signing bonus wasn't as big. They didn't have very many guarantees in their contract. So um, it's hard for them to come across money. You feel bad for guys that have, you know, two and three children and a wife, or Mm -hmm. they might have a dependent brother or mother or father that they have to take care of as well, because that's where you get into a lot of sticky situations. You know, it's not as simple as getting up and moving one person. A lot of times there are different layers, and, you know, family needs make it hard to, to chase the dream sometimes.
2: Now, like Kayla said, obviously, following the Chargers, you had two stints, one with the Colts, one with the Seahawks, and recently you announced your retirement at the age of 24 after suffering a sixth recorded concussion. I'm going to read a quote that you um, put in your announcement for people who may be unfamiliar. You said, quote, the last thing I want to do is put the health of my brain and my future well-being in jeopardy over a game and over a paycheck. What? I don't even know how to begin kind of peeling away the layers of this type of discussion, but what went into this decision to retire at age 24, which is a little bit rare, um, to to really put your health and yourself first and walk away from a game that you know and love so well.
0: Yeah, and you see guys come back all the time. We've We've seen some injury prone players be able to Kind of salvage their career and make the most of it, but when that happens, it's generally a guy who's dealt with shoulders or knees or whatever the case is, and you can go into a doctor's office and um, they'll cut you apart and they'll they'll sew you back up, and everything's good. But when you're dealing with uh, traumatic brain injury, you know you only get so many before they can't do very much about mm-hmm. it, and um, you know the the research out there uh, lends itself to um, the fact that traumatic brain injuries may not affect you as much right now, but down the line, that's where they become problematic. And so, um, not being able to anticipate what my health situation might be, you know, like when you, when you tear up your knee, they're going to tell you, you're going to have arthritis at 35. I had a shoulder injury back in eighth grade. And they said that, um, through my twenties, I was going to experience problems. I was going to be, um, arthritic and I've experienced those. And so that's a known risk. But when they tell you, um, your brain's probably going to be okay. That's where you kind of have to question. Mm-hmm. So um, just from that aspect, but the other thing too, and I think this is a credit to my upbringing, I think it's a credit to the school that I went to, is the fact that I never felt like football was my only meal ticket. Okay. I felt like I could hang up my cleats and retire and be able to go out into the real world and you know pick up a job where I could sustain the lifestyle I want to live without having to worry too much. And so it made it easy for me. Um, to From that aspect, knowing that I was going to be able to kind of, you know, guide my own career and future to say that, all right, it's time to think about moving on to the next step.
1: I mean, and if anybody who knows you, they're going to know, like you said, I felt comfortable enough hanging up my cleats because I knew that I could do something else. And I think sometimes players are maybe not as confident in themselves to say that and think that this is the only thing that I can do. But if you know you, you know that you're you're so good in doing different things in the community, and you have a voice, and you kind of always have.
0: Yeah, it's been important. Like I said, it goes a lot back to upbringing, to um, my mom and dad, who I feel like have been advocates for a lot of different people in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I've watched my mom and her ability to um, care and nurture And she's done that. She works in a school. And so she's been able to nurture other people's children in a lot of ways. And then I watch my dad and, you know, kind of his business savvy and just, you know, how he goes out there and he can get it every day. Um, And and he's able to connect with people. He's very diplomatic, but he's also a go getter. And so just, you know, having that background and and, and being able to see the way my parents kind of moved when I was younger, it, it gave me. Um, a different point of view that I feel like a lot of players don't necessarily have. Mm -hmm.
2: Your story and this decision has reached many, many people. You even appeared on the Today Show to talk about the decision. What kind of message, and you've touched on it a bit already, but what kind of message do you think this sent to football players and athletes everywhere that you can step away from the game? Because you did something that, that was pretty brave. I don't think many other people would do.
0: Yeah, I think just the probably the bigger message is for guys to understand, well, gals, depending, I mean, whatever sport it is, but for athletes to understand, you need to be able to call your own shots. You know, you you can't feel like you're in handcuffs. You can't feel like you're tied to something um, because of the will of somebody else, what they want to do or your own personal limitations. You feel like you might have. Um, You have to put yourself in a position always to be able to dictate when enough is enough and be able to move on to the next step. And so I think part of what I want to be able to do moving forward as well is reach out to athletes and tell them how to meet people and leverage their brands and, you know, how to uh, do a work study, how to be able to do a job shadow or an internship just so they can start to understand the things that are important to them outside of sports.
1: You're somebody who has always been all about the community, and I know a lot of that has to do with your upbringing. And if anybody has ever lived in Columbus or been to Columbus, they know that it's a pretty tight-knit community for being a bigger city. So you are now the founder and CEO of the Joshua Perry Family Foundation. That was actually launched in March 2018. Eighteen and the mission to inspire our youth to recognize and utilize their God-given gifts to maximize their potential. What made you come up with this?
0: It, you know, it was interesting. Um, I grew up in a suburban bubble. And so, um, you know, it seemed everybody at school always had new shoes and new clothes. There were people in the community who were willing to reach out and help our, our young folks out. You know, we had a service club and we used to have business owners and different type of people come and uh, allow us to do community service to their businesses and so we were just exposed to different things and I think a lot of kids were and being in the bubble that aspect of it was you know it's I didn't get to see how a lot of other people grew up and my dad would always tell me stories about being nine years old and sweeping up floors in a store for a dollar a day to try to help support his family he lived with you know mom no dad two sisters aunt uncle And uh, grandparents all in one house, didn't have his own bed until he went to college. He slept in a cot growing up. So, like, I heard it, but I didn't think that was a real thing that still went on Mm -hmm. until I got to Ohio State and I started to meet guys. And they were telling me about different things. Like, Tyvis Powell told me a story about, you know, how he went to school every day. He did not miss a day of school from kindergarten until 12th grade because he got free lunch at school. And that was the one meal he knew he would eat every day. Wow. And... That really blew my mind. Like, that really blew my mind. And so I'm sitting here, you know, if it wasn't for a guy like his high school coach who's a great man who – stayed on Tyvis and he led Tivus and he encouraged Tyvis. Said get good grades. I don't know what Tyvis Powell might not be the story that we talk about today. He might be a different guy. Right. And so for me, having a platform, I think it's important to be able to reach out to kids who didn't grow up like I did, but are, are great young people who have great potential to do things. They just need a little bit of help and they need a support system. And so that's kind of where the idea came from.
2: Wow. That's that's pretty incredible to say the least um in in that mission statement it it talks about utilizing your god-given gifts and your whole life growing up it was pretty clear that your god-given gift came from football what had that process been like after putting football aside uncovering maybe other god-given gifts that you didn't even know were there
0: yeah i think you know it's, it's interesting we all have our own gifts and different skill sets like my older brother His gift was music and he's a great musician. He lives out in California. He's chasing that dream right now and does a great job with it. Um, You know, when I stop playing ball, you know, Wes will be able to play his saxophone however long he wants to. I gotta stop playing ball at some point. I realized that there are a couple other things I love is number one, I love people and I love that connection and reaching out. And so I think that helps. Number two is everybody who might be listening can probably tell I love to talk <laughs> and that's something that I've always enjoyed doing. But having a platform to do that's been great. And then number three, I love a good competition. I love a good chase. And so um, there are certain businesses that allow you to do that that I'm trying to to um, step into. But that was kind of the thing stepping out of ball was what was going to be the the one out of any of the opportunities I had. What was going to be the one that really caught my attention? And between um, the service that I've been doing, but the media opportunities and then getting my real estate license, I think I'm starting to strike a balance.
1: Uh, before we go, are you ever going to run for any type of political office? Because I feel like you would be an amazing person to have in yeah. any platform.
0: It's it's interesting. A, a number of people have asked me that. And the the answer is yes, but I don't know in what capacity and I don't know when, but it's something that's on my list. I want to do it. And I think, you know, the, the big thing that we've all talked about is the ability to impact people yes. and the the ability to do the right thing by other people. And so I know there are party lines and everybody has platforms and you got to kind of pick a side nowadays. But why not be on the side of doing the right thing and in and, and making history in that type of capacity? So, um, you know, it'd be a little bit different. My run. But um, it's coming down the line. Just it's going to be a matter of when.
1: Wow, you heard it here To be first. continued. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on here. And for all the people out there that maybe would like to follow you, where can they find you on the social media platforms?
0: Yep, social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at R.I.P. underscore J.E.P. very active on both platforms and I'm, I'm also very interactive.
1: So, Ella, you're not impressed by that, young man. I, oh I don't know who else you would be impressed with because he really <laughs> has it all going on for him. And I'm serious. When I asked him that question about running for political offer, office in some capacity, I, I mean, he's, he's thinking about doing that. And I think that, that he would be a huge asset to society.
2: Well, he knows he can create change and he's confident mm-hmm. in, in what he stands for and what he believes in. And that's been in everything he's done. Even when he was at Ohio state, he always kind of stood his gra- ground and, and to see that carry over into so many different, um, you know, lights really is is so amazing. My favorite part about him, to be honest, going to a big football school, you know, Saturdays these guys are are worshipped. You know, they're yeah. they're the Saturday heroes, and during the week, I think, you know, when they are just a student appear in a classroom, I think a lot of the times they are. Viewed, and I don't. I'm not saying I view them this way at all. This this is honestly what even gets me more interested in journalism, um, because I think sometimes they're disrespected. I think they're viewed in a classroom setting as you're only here because you play football, Mm -hmm. and and obviously, of course, that helps, but. They're they're still there to get an education like we are, you know, and they're right. still working as hard as we are. And they have to go to class and do their homework and do all of those things. And then they're also committing hours and hours and hours to our university. And I just think he's the perfect testament to being so much more than a football player. And and yeah. he really shows that he used his education and his time at Ohio State to further him the rest of his life not just in football because i think guys like him are so misunderstood i've i've seen it going to a school like that and and he just he just completely you know doesn't stick to the status quo i guess you could say
1: yeah and whether you agree with him or disagree with him i think the overall thought is that you have to respect him mm-hmm. because he's one of those people that he's not just going to say something to say something He's going to say something to start up a conversation and he wants both sides to discuss it. So I just would say, look for very big things from this guy. And I know that he was talking about, he's actually going to start up his own podcast. So I know I'll be subscribing to that as soon as that comes out.
2: Definitely. That'd be some good stuff to share.
1: Absolutely. Well, we are just getting started on our Beyond Basic podcast. I think, Ella, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're pretty much booked out for guests for the next month or so.
2: Yes, which is very, very exciting. Um, For us, a little overwhelming because, you know, we jumped in and we got this thing going and uh, we have a lot of great things to, to bring our listeners that we're excited to do. Um, and we thank everyone who has subscribed so far, but don't stop. Keep keep spreading the news. Keep spreading our podcast to your friends um, because I think we'll have guests that can reach all different audiences, and there's a little bit for, for everyone.
1: Yeah, that's our goal is we're not going to stick to one city or one type of sport or even a specific athlete. We're going to reach way beyond that and just give people maybe that aren't even interested in the X's and O's, a, a reason to get involved or to want to understand the sports atmosphere. So I'm excited about that I'm excited. part of it too.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to bring in some guests that have jobs in the business that people might not even know exist. <laughs> um, sure. Because I think, you know, if you're not in it or if you're not living it, you see these things happening but don't realize there's people behind those things that make it happen so i'm really excited to bring those perspectives into this conversation as well
1: absolutely and I just wanted to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. I am actually home with my family this week, so this is the first time in four years I'm able to see a lot of friends and my ha- my whole family's together back in my hometown. So this is really exciting, and I know that you're back with your family. So I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. Thanks,
2: Kayla. Yeah, it feels good to be back in Philadelphia. We've been hit with some snow before I got here. Yeah, uh, but feels good. Feels good to be home with everybody and. I hope everybody is spending their holiday with people they love.
1: Well, we appreciate your guys' support out there, and make sure to join us next week for a fresh episode four of Beyond Basic.
2: Please subscribe, leave us a review, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Beyond Basic Pod.